I perceive that God wants us to talk this morning out of the abundance of be family. We've been talking about that, about being family. And the cornerstone of the family, in my opinion, and I think in the biblical estimation of it, is marriage. God says that family is birthed out of marriage. There's only one legitimate way, if, as, as, according to God, how you start families in this out of marriage. Now, now listen, listen, listen. Don't get mad at me because I know some of you might be saying, well, that makes me ill. Listen, listen, you're not a mistake. I'm not saying that. But God has prescribed a way for families to happen. He's prescribed a way for families to happen. Now, do we blow it? Yes, we do, because we're humans and we mess up. And this is one of the reasons. This is one of the reasons why the church got such a uh, 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 bent out of shape about same-sex marriages. Right. Like I really I personally don't have a problem with the government offering them benefits and things of that nature. But don't take the word marriage. Like that's my thing. Don't take the word marriage. Make it a civil union. Make it something else, because marriage is based upon how God has told us to be. And so I'm not going to go and, and, and pick a sign against same-sex people who want to live together. I'm not going to do that. Like, you know, that's the world. Let the world do what the world do. But God has said, God has ordained that marriage is between one woman and one man, and it's ordained for the institution of family. So that means that there's one way we should be having sex. There's one way we should be procreating in the confines of marriage. And now, listen, listen, I blew it. I know it. Don't, don't, don't look at me like I'm sitting up here casting stones. I had sex before I was married. Kids, put your hands in your ears for the next portion of the sermon. <laughs> I was just joking. Look, they, I love, I love the pendant kids. They're like, ooh. <laughs> I did. Some of us in the rooms, we were married before, and then we, 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 whatever, forever reasons, we separated, and we're not married anymore. And I get it. And God is not going to stand up in heaven with a big stick hitting you across the head because of it. But that's not God's standard, though. That's not God's standard. And so this morning, we're going to talk about marriage. And not from the standpoint of kind of, oh, uh, let's look at swatches and let's, 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 let's pick out our bridesmaid dresses and do all that kind of stuff. No, what does God design marriage for? And if you're not married in a room, don't check out. We're going to be talking about your portion of God's family, but we're going to start with marriage. Why did God ordain marriage? I don't know if you guys know, some of you guys know, I used to work at a, a, a startup company. Uh, it's not so much a startup now. It's a huge, huge company now. It's called the XO Group, but it used to be called the Knot. Anybody ever heard of the Knot? Anybody been married and used the Knot for your wedding registry and, and, and your rings and stuff like that? See, I used to work there. I used to be one of the uh, software developers there, and I developed all these different uh, um, applications and apps, and people are crazy about their weddings. Let me tell you. Some of y'all said, mm-hmm. Some of y'all Brazilians in the room, y'all know. And the husband's like, we got to pay for all that? Yes, you do. That's what marriage is about, right? And so I was a developer at, 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 at this company, and it was so funny that the, 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 um, the views on the website would spike around 10 o'clock in the morning and go down around 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And we started to do metrics and analytics about it, and we found out that women, when they, were fin when they found out they were going to get married, for like a year before the wedding, they are not doing no work at work. Because you think about from 10 o'clock, you got in, you got your coffee, you went straight to the website. You start doing what you do on your website, message board posts, talk about, oh, girl, look at this, this, and email it, and all this kind of stuff. And then right before the time to go home, boom, the site traffic went down. 
Because we have in our minds, in our culture, we have this great, grandiose idea of what marriage is supposed to be. Like my wedding is going to be perfect. Young ladies, like even when you're kids, you, maybe you play wedding and you dress up and, you, and, your, and your husband's going to be like the cute hot heartthrob that's on Disney Channel or whatever. And you're going to marry a guy just like him. And dudes, we just want a hot wife, like, you know, like, just, just make sure she's hot, God, and make sure she stays hot. Out the baby, she still needs to be hot. I mean, I, I don't really care about anything else. She just needs to be cute. Need a cute wife. Don't really care about her attitude, as long as she's cute. Need some arm candy, right? And the women, we need a knight in shining arm. And he's a, when we come home from work, he's going to be ready to, with your slippers. He's going to rub your feet and tell you, baby, how was your day? And then you get married and go, who is this sucker? Whoa, 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 God. Especially for us, you know, not, not us, but some of us who saved themselves from marriage, and you just a God, I'm waiting on the right one, and God sent the one, and you're like, God, that's the one, and then you got married, like, whoa, 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 Jesus? Who's this sucker? Right? Because in the West, we have this idea that we marry for love. And everybody in the room said, yeah, that's what we think. Until you get married. And you know, love comes and goes. We be singing Teddy Pendergraft songs, love TKO. Love ain't always enough to keep you together. And we look at places like in the Middle East where people, where, 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 where marriage is a business transaction. You know, you go and you go talk to the dad, the dad said, give me three goats and a cow and you can have her, right? Or you marry for family, you marry for security, they have these arranged marriages. Like, how do you marry a total stranger? That's just creepy. Like, in the, like here, we like, that's just creepy. That's weird. I'm not going to marry, marry a total stranger. But you look at those marriages, and some of them, them last. And so, but the, here's the thing. None of them are right. None of those reasons for marrying are right. God would have us marry and be married because marriage is a covenant. Anybody know what the word covenant means? Some of you, so I know sometimes we, 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 we say that it's a contract. You know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, I have a contract with you and you have a contract with me. And, and, and I agree, Trey, that every morning I'll do this. And if I do this every morning, then you do this. And we enter the covenant like it's a contract. But when it comes to God, when it comes to kingdom, covenant is not about just the contractual act. There is a contractual act, but it's more about relationship. When it comes to the kingdom, God says, listen. I'm going to be yours, and you're going to be mine. And when we enter our marriage, that's what the vows we take are. I'm going to be yours, not yours really, Stan, but I'm going to be yours, and you're going to be mine. That means I no longer do what I want to do based upon the, the covenant that we've entered, and the other person, you no longer do what you wanted to do be based upon the covenant that we entered, and God says, this is the image of Christ in the church. And so as marriage goes, churches go, and as churches goes, communities go, and as communities goes, the world goes. And so that's why I say that it's paramount that we understand God has called us into these relationships for kingdom purpose kingdom purpose. So marriage is a covenant. Somebody say that. Marriage is a covenant. And it is the most difficult sanctifying covenant you will ever experience in your entire life. And my wife said amen. We celebrate how many years, baby? Thank you. 24 years Sunday. 
Don't woo. Don't you woo. You be like, y'all got, got 24 years. I can teach you something. I can't teach you nothing about marriage after 24 years. I'm serious. I just started learning how to love my wife correctly like after 20 years in. Like, y'all think I'm playing. I'm serious. Like six, seven, eight years. Misery. Not because of her, because of me. I'm serious. Some of you think that you're supposed to be married. You get married, and then it just clicks. And all of a sudden, y'all just skipping through medals and date nights and all that kind of stuff. And then the reality of it hits you. Marriage is hard. And I'm not just saying this out of the abundance of my marriage. I get the awesome opportunity to, to counsel people premarital counseling and while they were married counseling and right before they broke up counseling. Marriage is hard. So the, the, the secular world would try and tell you, and they would say, so statistics used to say that 50% of marriages ended in divorce, right? Uh, so it's getting better. It's like more like 40% now. But what they do is they brand and go, well, that's just, not, that's just not the case anymore. It's no longer 50%. I know 10% is a lot, but still 40%. Like, will you really, would you really enter a marriage covenant thinking that, okay, I got a 60% chance of this working? And so what we've done is we've, 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 we've said, let's, well, let's, let's have an extended stay before we get married. Because I don't know if this is going to work out. We need to try some kind of married folk stuff and see if that's going to work out. And then if it don't work out, then, hey, we were never married. I love you anyway. Why do I need a piece of paper? Anybody ever heard that one? I don't need a piece of paper to show you I love you. Because the roses that I bring to show you I love you. But there's something about commitment. There's something about entering into this covenant. And even the married people in the room, you say, well, I never really think we went to a, into a covenant. Maybe you wrote your own vows then. Because when I do marriages, I say, you know, to have and to hold better and worse, sickness and health, till death do you. <sighs> have I persuaded you that covenant is important? Why? Because God ordains it. God looks over at the weddings. That's why you have a minister, because God looks over and says, okay, I accept this contract. I accept the terms of this contract. And then God goes home with you after the honeymoon. And he walks through life with you. And immediately, immediately, you begin to see, wow, this person snores. I know all that. Wow, this person is fearful. A little anxiety and man, this person is really demanding. This person always thinks they're right. This person is overbearing. This person is clingy. This person is, did I make a mistake? Because the idea and the notion is you figured that you were going to marry somebody perfect. E-harmony and Christian date and, 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 and swipe left, swipe right. All these apps are designed to tell you that you're going to get the perfect person that matches you perfectly. And that makes no sense because we're all fallen. We're all broken. And so when you enter this marriage covenant, you enter this marriage covenant with all of you. Your brokenness. Your stank stank. And God uses that to sanctify us because ain't nobody going to tell you about you like your husband or your wife. And he said, yep, look at them parents, married folk, yep. Say that, Pastor. Say it louder in his direction. 
right? When we're Christians, we want to, we, like, 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 like we, we go out and we seek accountability partners. Hey, brother, you know, man, I'm going through some stuff, man. Can you just tell me if you see anything in my life? That, you ain't got to do that with your wife. You ain't got to do that with your husband. Mm-mm. They going to let you know off the top. This, this is the most amens I've ever gotten in my entire life. I'm talking about marriage every week. I'm serious. They're going to tell you all your stuff, and it's designed to be that way. In the beginning, Genesis, God said, it's not good that man should be alone, so I will give him a helpmate. Now, see, here's the thing. When we hear that word helpmate, women, over the years, marriage has been taught in the context of I'm the man and you just a helper. But that word in the original context actually is used in the same context it uses God. God is our and so it's not that this is just some sub, 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 sub human person that you just stick your thumb on and bring me my plate, woman, you the helpmate. I tried it. It don't work. <laughs> I started smelling my plate. Some cyanide in here, maybe? <laughs> Reaching in with my hand, my mashed potatoes, make sure there's no glass in it. You do that, it ain't going to last long, brothers. She be asking about your insurance policy. How much you got on that insurance policy? <laughs> but what happens, what happens, what happens is we got these two individuals, these two broken individuals coming together to try and be whole. But if I haven't dealt with my issues or not willing to deal with my issues, what happens is it becomes this in the household. It becomes World War 15. And not only that, not only that, you are exposed to enter the marriage covenant with the idea of growing together. One guy said, I don't remember his name, but he said, my wife has been married to five different men and they all were me. Because as we grow, we're supposed to be growing. Well, baby, you don't do the stuff you used to do because I'm growing up. Kids come into the equation and that just, that just knocks all our brain cells loose. And so what I'm trying to paint a picture right now is marriage is not perfect. It's not but we have to have the mind that we're going to enter this covenant and we're going to be sanctified together as we walk through it. And so some of y'all are saying, you talk doing a lot of talk. This is all out of marriage counseling right here. And out of marriage counseling, I know that the scriptures are true based upon what I've seen over the years. If you turn with me in your Bibles, Ephesians 15. I mean, Ephesians 5, 15, sorry. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And to give us a little background, to give us a little context, Paul is saying, listen, you don't understand your purpose. You're walking after the manner of the world. You're walking like the world walks. It's darkness. You're supposed to be a believer. You're supposed to be light. You're not supposed to be walking like the world walks. You're supposed to be doing the things that God has called you to do. Right? And so in Ephesians chapter 5, 15, he's telling them to awake. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so basically he's telling the church, listen, you act like you got forever to get it right. You're acting like you got forever to get it right. I'm going to hark back to a couple of sermons ago when I said, when God has asked you to do something, you need to do it because you're acting like you got forever to get it right. 
I use this analogy a lot because I just love this analogy so much. When your mama and your daddy leave the house and tell you to clean the room and the bathroom, and you say, they say, I'm going back in four hours. And they come back in four hours, and you sitting there playing the video game console. You reading your magazines or listening to records. What's the first thing come out of your mom and daddy's mouth? Did you bump your head? Did, the, did, did you call the ambulance when it happened? Like, why are you here and not doing what I just asked you to do four hours ago? Because the parent knows, in, the, the parent innately knows that what they told you to do was not important to you. You would rather do all other kinds of stuff than do what the parent told you to do. And then so the parent comes in the room and says, why didn't you do what we told you to do? Now let's move that scenario to your home. If your child then tells you, well, I thought about doing what you told me to do. I wrote it down. I took notes on it. I invited my friends over. We had study about it. We know how to say it in Greek and Hebrew. Clean the bathroom in Greek is awesome. I got such a deep revelation about cleaning the bathroom in Greek. Because the original word, mother, father. And that's what we do in the kingdom. The Bible has said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Listen, if you don't know what God has called you to do, he's called you to at least do that. Uh, you know, um, well, Jesus, see, because the way my, 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 uh, my finances are right now, it's kind of hard for me to make disciples. Well, God, you know, um, I don't really have the ability to like, really speak to people. Like, I'm in, like, like, you know, like it wasn't an option for you not to make disciples. That's why you're here. And that's what Paul is saying right now. He says, you have to be mindful. You need to walk like you're wise. You need to walk like you know what I'm calling you to do. Because the days are evil. We don't just go to the, 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 the senior home just because, like, we just want to go to the senior home. Some of us don't even like being in a senior home, to be perfectly honest, especially state-run senior homes. They're dark places. But God has told us to go and be lights there. Some of us don't like doing the things that we do, uh, go and swing pickaxes and it's hot outside. Step on rakes and hit yourself in the head with the rake. We don't like doing that. Rather be doing something else. But he says there's wisdom in this because it's accomplishing my will. And I told you to go and make disciples. And we might not be able to see the fullness of it, but we're going to do those things. And so in this, Paul is saying, walk carefully. Not as unwise because the days are evil. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Don't be stupid. You need to understand what the will of God is as you're walking through this life. Some people, I don't know what God wants me to do. Go back to the Great Commission. Now, we can help you as elders figure out how you might be able to accomplish some of this thing. But listen, God has made it very serious. Jesus said, go make disciples, and then he left. And we're still here. Sounds like exile to me. Promises to be with us. He seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession with us. He sent his precious Holy Spirit. What are we waiting on? He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? This is not about a shout out about Sata Hodogo. That's not what it's about. 
It's not about speaking in tongues. It's not about running around the sanctuary. It's not about hopping up and down. That's not about, that's what's not, not what it's about. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means that I am under the influence of the Holy Spirit, just like I'm under the influence uh, of alcohol when I drink alcohol. Well, drink too much alcohol. We're not teetotalers around here. Well, I am, not the whole church. But when I drink to the point of drunkenness, I am under the influence of alcohol. My words are not even my words. I don't know what it, I, I, I don't drink, so I don't know. But if I did, I imagine that's why I would sound like drunk. Deal with it. That's what I would be like if I was drunk. I know I've been on uh, the stuff at the dentist, and my tongue just, and I was, I was crying about Whitney Houston, evidently. That's what Courtney told me. She drove me home. Don't know as close as I can give you. Sorry. Um, they be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing praises in a melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. You might be saying, what does this have to do with marriage? We started out on a marriage sermon. I have to give you that context before we go to the next line. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Listen, it takes a spirit-filled woman to submit to her husband as unto the Lord. Wife, you don't have to say amen so loud over here. It takes a woman who has said, I have God's purpose in my life. And so I don't understand why God made him the head. Mm. I don't know why he left him in control of the family, in charge of the family. But I, 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 I need to submit to him as unto God. I need to submit to him as under God. Now, some of you, listen, understand. You hear the word submit, and you throw up in your mouth a little bit. You throw up in your mouth a little bit, because it sounds harsh. It sounds, it, because you know you married or you're in a relationship with a broken man, and he hasn't got sanctified past some of these things yet, maybe. But if you ain't married yet, women, don't enter a covenant with a man that you don't think you can submit to. Like the ones that we hear, we already hear it's too late. Well, we just got to deal with what you got to deal with. You chose it, and that's on you now. You ever buy something and have buyer's remorse? Like you buy something, you say, I pay way too much. for. They got it on sale up at uh, Geico. I mean, at Amazon now. Right? Or you bought something, and then three weeks later, the new model came out, and you're like, oh, my goodness. They got a new one. Brother, they got two more bells and whistles on it that I done got on mines. Same price, but it's better. And so sometimes that's what we do in our marriages. We, man, you see, I, was, I could submit to him if he was more like Jerry. <laughs> submit to him if he was more like Frank. Frank, I submit to Frank all day long. No, you wouldn't. You don't know, you don't know about the skeletons in Frank's closet. You just saw his bulging biceps. You tripping. No, but you have to be Spirit-filled in order to submit. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Oh, my goodness, that's hard. That's tough. That's tough. I'm telling you, I sit across the couch. I, put a, I, I intentionally put a table 
between me and couples when I, we do marriage counseling, because I don't want, hey, when they flip the table, I got time to run. Because <laughs> the word does what the word does. And I'm like, listen, if I wrote it, maybe I let, I, I may, may based on the marriage, who submits to it. But listen, that's not me, and so don't fight with me. He the one. And she looking at him, this idiot. But husbands, guess what? You got to be spirit-filled as well in order to have a wife that is willing to submit to you. Watch this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Oh, my God. I think think we got a tough deal, too, husbands. I'm supposed to love her like Christ loved the church? And she burnt the toast? I don't think so. I'm supposed to love her like Christ loved the church, and she up here tripping right now? (laughs) Yeah, take Jesus to love her. And God is saying, you need to be like Jesus. And so what happens in the context of marriage is we are, we, we are being sanctified together. We're always seeing one another. And we just spend all our time together. Like, can't you just go and get a hobby? Go do something. I need some me time. And God is saying, no, 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 no. You submit. You love and not the kind of love that you've been dealing with all this other time. Christ-type love, sacrificial love. What that means, and see, if you look at it correctly, you see this cycle where you're submitting to one another, where we went right before we got into 15, uh, right, right before we got to the wife submitting in uh, 22 and 21. We see that there's this mutual submission that happens when the relationship goes that way. I love you so much that I'm giving myself up for you. That means that we have discussions. Well, baby, I think you need to do this. And that doesn't mean that she just kind of like, yes, sir. <laughs> a good leader wants to have a discussion. And then you come to the discussion. And ultimately what it means that when, because she's submitting to you, that you ultimately on the hook for it. Husbands, anybody ever been in a leadership position? The leader goes down with the ship. The leader goes down with the ship. And sometimes y'all make a decision together, and she still lets you know that you're the leader. I'm like, we talked about it. <laughs> and that don't blew up in our face. Mm-hmm. Told you it wasn't going to work. No, you didn't. I remember the discussion vividly. And your wives know we didn't. Sometimes you use the Jedi mind tricks on them. No, I remember you were wearing a blue shirt, and you said this. You're like, did I say that? I think I did say that. But listen, culture is going to look at our marriages. It's going to look at our families. And if our marriages are not together, but we don't know what our yelling and our shouting is doing to our child. And here's the thing. Husbands, husbands, your daughter will grow up probably to marry a man just like you. Mm-hmm. Because they equate the father's love to the father's love and the father's love by yelling. And now you're ready to go put, punch that dude in the eye because he done yelled at your baby girl. But she learned how to treat, be treated like that by the way that you, you 
treated her mama. I'm sorry, it's just real, it's just true. All right, we're gonna get to an application point, then we'll let you go, because I think I took my glasses off on purpose. Let me see. No, we good. Kind of. Still got a long way to go. This is another reason, like, talking about marriage, this should be a serious. Listen, email me and the elders if the married people in the room and even the single people in the room think that you will be benefited by a marriage. Like, this is a series. I'm just trying to really cram a lot of stuff into this because we're going somewhere. But listen, if you think you'll be benefited, email us and say, hey, that marriage thing that you talked about, let's talk about it. Um, one thing that me and my wife did early on, it, it, it helped. Um, we started doing preventative maintenance. We started going to counseling even when stuff wasn't, because we have to learn how to. Anyway, email me. So, where was I? 28? Yep, 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does a church, because we are the members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold on fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery and this is mysterious and profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, however, that each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That last line is our application point. If you're in a wedding, if you're in a marriage relationship, that last line is our application point. Let's see it to it. And I kid you not, counseling session after counseling session. And if you're not one of these women, listen, you're an anomaly. Like you're, you're, you're the outlier. I'm not saying that everybody's the same. But wives, for the most part, just want to be loved and cherished and feel secure. Husbands, that's why they nag you about where are we going? How are you going to do that? How are you going to pay that bill? How are you going to? Because they just want to feel like that you're, you, you're taking care of your responsibility and that you're cherishing them and that you love on them and that you're thinking about the family. Like, that's what the women want to have. And the men, for the most part, we just want a little bit R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I'm dead serious. I cannot summarize it into any better than the scripture just did. Like, 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 like dudes just like, is there something inside of us when we feel disrespected by our spouse? We just can't, it just, even if we don't let it out, it just kind of just, it just, ooh, it's like, ooh, ooh. Like dudes in the street, uh, 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 the person at the stove, your waitress at the restaurant, they can be real disrespectful. It don't touch you. But when your wife does it, it's like, ooh. There's something inside of us just kind of, uh, and there's something about the wife that if she's not feeling respected, if she's feeling like you're just disrespecting her, and she just feels like you don't love and cherish her, it's just kind of like, it just makes us, just, 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 just makes her want to spit, makes her call me and say, listen, you need to do something about him. You need to do something about him today. And we show up in the counseling session, and she's sitting there, and she let it all out, and the dude ain't saying nothing because I'm a man. I can take care of my house. I can take care of my stuff. I feel disrespected by even being up in there, and that's why I got the table in between us. And with those type of environments, how can we glorify God? How can we say that we love God? Here's the thing. If you turn to 1 Peter, uh, where's it at? I'll find it in a minute in my brain. The Bible says that if you and you are not communicating together, guess what? Your prayers are hindered. That's how serious God is about this. You say that you so filled with the Spirit, you so Holy Ghost filled, you got all this stuff going on, and you really know you're just fronting it. But, 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 but God is saying, you do that, I'm not even hearing your prayers. I'm not going to hear your prayers till you get it right. That's the same as he said, you find out somebody has something against you, leave your gift on the altar 
and go get it right with that person, and then you come and talk to me. God is serious about it. He's really, really serious about it. And that's why I say the church will be no greater than the marital relationship because if the marital relationships are not right, we just have a bunch of single people running around doing everything. 3-7, thank you. Can you put that on the screen for us? 1 Peter 3-7. God is so, so concerned with the family because the family reflects his family. And if we are Christian families and we say we're going to be family, we got to get this right. It says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as she is the weaker vessel. Since they are the heirs with you, She's your heir. She's an heir to Christ with you. That means y'all are equal in the kingdom. Don't you just be lording over her. I'm the man and I'm a, you ain't leading right. Jesus didn't lead that way. We want to lead like lions. Jesus wants us to lead like lambs. He was the lamb of God. We messed up. He says, since they are the heirs with you, of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That your prayers will not be hindered. Leaders of the household, men, that's an awesome responsibility. You sitting there praying, I'm just praying, and I don't understand why God ain't speaking to me. He just spoke to you this morning. Get it right with your wife. Love her as Christ loved the church. Cherish her. Your wife should feel like the most loved woman on the planet. She should. She shouldn't worry about your wandering eye and your internet search habits. We can go and we can gather all the people into this building that we want to, and it's just more dysfunction if we can't live right. If we can't do the things that God is calling us to do, and he's serious about it. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And all that really means is go and teach them how to live like you're learning how to live before God. And so married people in the room, there are single people in the room. You should be able to invite a single person over to your house and they hang out. And you be like, they be like, oh, man, when God sends the right person, that's going to be awesome. Instead of, ooh, I don't know if I want to be married. I like my singleness. I like being alone. That, that's a lot of dysfunction going on up in there. And we say we know the love. We, we love the Lord. He heard my cry. He's not hearing you. Your family ain't right. You don't have to say amen. You can say ouch. So here's a summary that you asked me for this morning, Courtney. Do not expect to have a God-honoring marriage without spirit-filled living. Do not expect to have a God-honoring marriage without spirit-filled living. That's just not to the married people. Single people in the room, begin to prepare your heart. Because guess what happens? When you enter that marriage relationship, you bring all your stuff. Two people trying to hide all your dirt. You trying to hide all your dirt. You get together and the dirt just all over the floor. Then you're like, who's going to vacuum this up? Holy Spirit, come get the dirt up. 
So here's what we're going to do. God is serious. He wants his church to bring him glory. He wants his church. Now, don't think I'm being sacrilegious right now to be his arm candy. There's something about when a man walks in the room with a beautiful woman on his arm. He might be just a little ugly, little scrawny, little, you know, Tiffany's like, mm-hmm. He might just be broke. But he walks in with this bombshell. You be like, wow. <laughs> hey. Don't know what you do for a living, bro, but I need a job at your <laughs> You pulled her. There's something about it. There's something about it. And so God gets glory when his bride is beautiful. People say glory to God. I don't know why I'm saying that, but that's awesome. Them Christians, whoo, that's awesome. Them folks over here, NECC, there's just not a lot to it. I don't understand. They meet in the little strip mall, but man, they love the Lord. Man, they're striving to be spirit-filled and live according to what God wants them to do. They don't take plays off. They don't say just because I'm home and I've been on all day. And uh, trust me, listen, I'm a pastor. I got to be on in public. I just got to. It's just kind of what it is. Sometimes I just want to go home and let my hair down. I do. I ain't got no hair to let down. My don't look at me like that. I just want to sit on a video game. I don't want to be talked to. I just want to be like, yeah. And then these little boogers start, hey, Dad, we don't know about my day. I don't care about your day. Leave me alone. My wife, babe, babe, you will guess, guess what? And I'm like, da, da, la, 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 not right now. I got stuff to do. But the ones that we say we love most usually get the worst of us because we've been putting on a face all day long. And now I can come home and y'all love me and we take for granted. They ain't going nowhere. I'm paying the bills. That's why they ain't going nowhere. But we're doing damage. My wife ain't going nowhere. She done said she loved me. She ain't going nowhere. So still up. Still up. Ain't gonna hurt her too bad. And we let our guard down with those we feel most comfortable with. If you're anything like me, you let your guard down for a second and they get mad at you because you did that. And then you're mad at them because they shouldn't have been mad at you because you should know how much that you love them. And it gets this whole vicious cycle. That's part two in the marriage series when y'all email about it. But God wants us to not let our guard down. Listen, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to shut up, because I really need to shut up. Your home is your first ministry. Hear that? Don't run up here talking about you want to do all this kind of stuff, and you're not doing stuff at home. We got a questionnaire. We do. We got a questionnaire. When people want to step into leadership, we say, hey, what would your spouse say about you being a leader? And spouse don't lie for them. <laughs> Don't lie for them. We got to get it right. We got to get it right. All right. So this is what we're going to do for the next few moments. Next few moments. I want those, those of you who are in a marriage relationship, that means you're married to your own husband. <laughs> and what it said in First Peter, the first few chapters, it says the wife should love her own husband. Don't be respecting nobody else's husband. You can't respect your husband. 
be having a husband. Y'all be having people all mad at me. Husbands mad at me. Well, pastor said, pastor ain't the pastor of this house. Respect your husband. That's why I got the table. So if you are in a marital relationship, I want for the next few moments you to think about the ways, the ways that we talked about this morning. If you're a wife, how am I not respecting my husband? How am I not respecting him? And I just thinking about it, just, just to think about it, I want you to like really have something tangible this week that you can do to start saying, God, I'm giving this to you. I need to learn how to respect him. And in this area, it's really hard. I really want to respect him. And husbands, how can you love and cherish your wife? Hey. Hey. How can we love and cherish our wives? I think about that. And of course, my wife gets up and walks out with it. I'm, I'm going to tell about it later. Don't worry about it. But think about those things for a moment. And if you are single and you're thinking about one day I want to be married, I want you to think about what are the areas of my life that I need to start working on in anticipation to being in a marital relationship. Amen? We'll play that music. We'll meditate and, and, and think on these things. And then I'll come back and dismiss us.